AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. We've all been there. Those days when we wake up too early and barely function on a few hours of sleep. We pump ourselves full of coffee, but it's never enough, and so we shamble through the workday like zombies. It's unknown whether French neurologist Jules Cotard was a morning person or not, but he certainly understood what it was like to feel like the walking dead. He observed it firsthand. Cotard, born in France in 1840, started his medical career at the Pitié-Solpetriere University Hospital, where he interned. Later on, as a full-fledged doctor, he took a strong interest in those who suffered from cerebrovascular accidents, otherwise known as strokes. He wanted to know more about the effects on the brain so he would often perform autopsies on those who had died because of them. But in 1882, a woman walked into his office with something new, something different, something strange. She was only ever known as Mademoiselle X, and on that day, she rattled off a list of symptoms for Dr. Cotard. She claimed, as hard as it is to believe, to have no body. An odd admission that probably sounded like a joke at first, but she was completely serious. According to Mademoiselle X, she had no nerves, stomach, chest, or bowels, not even a brain. She was literally nothing but skin and bones. Now, clearly, Dr. Cotard could see that something about the woman was not right, but it wasn't the symptoms she listed off. She was all there physically. All the body parts that she claimed to be lacking were still intact. Her mental faculties, however, had taken a nosedive. Mademoiselle X went on, claiming to have no soul and that without any internal organs to process her food, she had stopped eating. There was no God, no devil, and believed that she was immortal. She was convinced that she could not die, at least not by natural means. In order to kill her, she said, she would need to be set on fire. Cotard, fascinated by the patient's claims, turned to his medical texts for help. He found that another woman about a hundred years earlier had been examined by a Swiss scientist named Charles Bonnet, who had recorded symptoms almost exactly like these endured by Mademoiselle X. This other woman had been cooking at home when she suddenly lost feeling in one half of her body. She'd become partially paralyzed. Eventually, the paralysis subsided a bit and the woman was able to explain to her daughters the situation. She was now dead and had to be dressed in a shroud and put into a coffin. The daughters did as they were told and laid her to rest until she fell asleep. Once the ruse was over, they took off the shroud and put her back in her own bed. Clearly, their mother was sick. There had actually been a number of cases over the years where people believed that they were dead, and Cotard believed that it was a previously undiagnosed form of depression that he called hypochondriacal delirium. Those who suffered from it were often sad, shut down mentally, didn't feel pain, 
believed they had no internal organs and thought that they would actually live forever unless forcibly killed. Today, however, the syndrome has a new name, derived from the man who discovered it. It's called Cotard's delusion, and it's believed to be caused by neural misfirings in the part of the brain that recognizes and reacts to faces. It's similar to Capgras delusion, which makes people think that their loved ones have been replaced with imposters. Cotard's delusion occurs in patients who don't recognize their own faces and insist that the people they are, or were, don't exist anymore. It's a rare condition, affecting about 200 people worldwide, and is typically treated with a variety of medications like antidepressants and antipsychotics. However, pills don't always work, and electroconvulsion or shock therapy is sometimes needed. As for Mademoiselle X, there were no pills for her to swallow, nor was she subjected to any kind of therapy. She eventually passed away, but not from fire. Sadly, she starved to death. Dr. Jules Cotard went into medicine to understand the human brain. What he found was one of the rarest and strangest symptoms ever recorded. The truly dead may not have been able to speak for themselves, but for Cotard, the undead certainly had a lot to say. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What does it take to run a small business? Heart, smarts, and the nerve to risk it all in the face of adversity. Listen to The Unshakables, the new podcast now available from Chase for Business and iHeart. It features real stories from real small business owners who take you through the turmoil, triumphs, and quick turns that help their businesses break through. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. William never set out to become a legend, yet that's exactly what he became later in life. Though many don't know his name today, they're familiar with the character he inspired. But we'll get to that later. William was born in New York City in 1897 to Janet and Felix, 
Travel was practically built into their DNA, with Janet whisking a young William off to Mexico to witness an ongoing revolution when he was only six weeks old. Though he was born in New York, William spent many years growing up in Asia. He attended the Buddhist monastery of Nishi Hanganji in Kyoto and graduated as a doctor of divinity. From there, he traveled to Paris and Germany for additional schooling at the Sorbonne and University of Berlin, respectively. William was practically a professional student, eventually getting his doctorate in philosophy from Christ Church, Oxford in 1922, which he paid for by teaching Chinese at the University of London. During his time there, the Buddhist Society of Great Britain and Ireland asked the school to send an academic mission to the capital of Tibet, Lhasa. At the time, permission had to be granted to Westerners looking to visit, permission that was often denied. William and the mission were sent with several specific goals. First, to sit with His Holiness the Dalai Lama and explain to him how Buddhism was being taught in the West. Second, William and his team were to get filmed footage of Tibet, specifically of the city's great cathedral. Though the trip had been approved by the school, the Tibetan government had other ideas. Neither William nor the mission would be allowed into Lhasa. He tried three different times to convince them to let him in, either alone or with one other colleague, but each time he was met with a resounding no. William, however, refused to take no for an answer. Rather than turn around and head home, he went deep undercover. According to a Time Magazine article from 1938, it said that he stood naked while a companion covered his body with brown stain and squirted lemon juice into his blue eyes to darken them. William, you see, disguised himself as a Tibetan coolie or low-status worker and paid a few locals to help him over the mountains to the Forbidden City. He overcame a snowstorm, dysentery, leeches, and mosquitoes, finally reached Lhasa in February of 1923. Once there, he alerted the Tibetan authorities of his arrival, and they agreed to furnish him with lodgings and keep his identity under wraps. Unfortunately, a mob of monks discovered who he was and began stoning his house. William snuck out clad in his disguise and joined the throng of monks attacking his home. He lasted six weeks there before he was finally forced to leave. Back in London, it was clear that William had kicked off an international incident, with the school's India office in constant communication with William himself. After much back and forth, William resigned from teaching and took a job with the Chicago Times to become their Far East correspondent. He then went on to serve during World War II as a naval officer and put his knowledge of the Japanese language to good use. But war was no place for an academic like William. Once the fighting had ended, he returned to his first love, teaching, and lectured all over the United States. He taught at Harvard, gave talks at the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago, and even spoke at various military colleges across the country. He finally settled down at Northwestern University, where he taught political science for the remainder of his life. William soon learned that even the most boring classes would fill up quickly if students wanted to learn from certain teachers. William had become something of a celebrity, you see, due to his questionable antics when he was younger. Students wanted to hear his stories and learn from the man who had snuck into places he wasn't meant to go, all in the name of knowledge. They registered in droves, filling up his classes each and every semester. Had William been right in forcing his way into Tibet? And most likely not, but that had been typical of Americans and Europeans for centuries. William's actions did, however, go on to inspire his students and Hollywood as well. 
The story of a swashbuckling professor traveling to ancient cities and even taking on the Nazis sounds like just the kind of character to enthrall movie audiences. And he did, when he debuted in 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark. William Montgomery McGovern had been one of the key influences in the creation of everyone's favorite fictional archaeologist, Indiana Jones. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious.